And we are live. Hi, hey. Pavi. Hi. <laughs> Everyone, I am here with Pavi Olivares uh, in Los Angeles. Yes. That's where I am. Yeah. I'm in Koreatown. Um, I love LA. I loved living there. I think I must have lived there in a past life. It mm -hmm. was, um, and Koreatown was always so fun. How long have you been in Koreatown? I've actually been here for about four months. So, but, but I've been in Los Angeles for whew, like 12 years. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, four months here and I love it. I finally have an apartment I really, really dig. I feel at home. I feel settled. I feel uh, connected. <laughs> so good. Well, I like your um, all of your stuff behind you. You have your posters and oh, yeah. little, uh, are those like the bobbleheads behind you? Oh, oh, let's see. Those? Yeah. Yes. Actually, if you want, I can show you a couple. Yes. I They're special to me, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because they're uh, actually, um, this is one of my favorites. They're... Uh, Westworld ones. So this one's Dr. Ford. No. Yes. <laughs> but all those are um, the all the pops that came out for Westworld. I so, didn't even know they did that. Yeah, they did. Yeah, so, you know, it got oh. some kind. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's oh. kind of fun. That company is very cool. They make a lot of different interesting things that I didn't even like. I mean, I, I didn't even know that was the one, but like the Golden Girls ones. And oh, I'm dying. I want to get some of the Golden Girls. I, I really, that's my next thing. And I want to get the Chia Pet with uh, Sophia. <laughs> now, if you were a Golden Girl, which one do you think you would be? <laughs> oh, wow. Hmm. I think most gay men have a little bit of all of them in there <laughs> inside them but um i would definitely have to say i identify with blanche Devereaux. <laughs> i'm very much a blanche and i think that all my friends would agree with that <laughs> i love it so much yeah i feel like oh gosh i do think i'm a little bit of dorothy and a little bit of rose if you can blend the two of them i think so I had more Blanche. It comes in pieces and usually with rum. Yeah. Yeah. I think Blanche uh, kind of comes in, especially when you're single. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, for everybody that's watching and that will join us later in the show, I wanted to kind of tell them about you uh, a sure. little bit. Um, my student, Griselda, told me all about you whenever she uh, was taking a class with me. Mm -hmm. And... I thought how amazing to talk to somebody that's working constantly. And um, some of your credits, uh, we were just talking about um, key hair for the LA unit for the movie yesterday. Yes. Um, which was super fun. Um, the head of hair for Sierra Burgess is a loser. That film was great. It's such a cute film, isn't it? Oh my God. And I Barbara. thought it was adorable. It was like, Oh, Barb. <laughs> yes. Barb. Well, and I was like, Barb gets to live again. Yeah, she does. She she lives in uh, many forms. I think she is uh, was on Riverdale, too. And then she has some other things coming up. But yeah, Shannon is really special girl. I loved her. She was just, we connected a lot on that film. And uh, it was really nice to kind of create this uh, character, uh, Sierra, which, um, you know, if you've seen the film, it's, 
it's just really sweet to see this this uh, kind of blossoming of yeah. you know like you know it's like a, a teen flick but with a lot of heart and I don't know it was it, that was a fun one to do fun create character to create to help create I um I'm gonna come back to this film in a moment um, but I want to talk about some of your other uh, credits as well one of them being um, Westworld which I love yeah. uh, and that you won an Emmy for on the hairstyling um, for that film I mean for that uh, TV series yeah and that one is continuing hopefully you mean is there more seasons coming out yeah yeah um, there are more seasons so I'm gonna flip this a little bit because yeah. I feel like my eyeline is like down there <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, from what I understand, they do have like a few more seasons coming up that they're going to be shooting. Um, I was really fortunate to be a part of the first two seasons. And uh, there was the third season that came out last year, or this year, rather. Yeah. Yeah, the first two seasons I was really very thankful and grateful to be a part of because, I mean, what a tremendous show, right? <laughs> Oh my gosh, it was so mind blowing. And it wasn't, it's definitely not a show that you're like, well, I'll just put this on in the background and work on no. other things. Pay attention and you have to watch it. Well, I would say you have to watch it in order, but I would say you can actually watch it from the last episode to the first episode. It's one of those weird shows you start in, or start in the end and you can, you know, but don't just like, Oh, I'm gonna watch three episodes and be like, "Peace out." I don't get it. You you have to get through it. Like the first three, four episodes, you're like, "What?" WTF? And then, <laughs> you're like, oh my god! And then things start to unfold, and it's like all these layers. So I definitely was a fan when I was watching it. So I'm like, this is a really awesome show. <laughs> um, when I was looking at, especially the first season, and they have, well, no, I guess going into the second season too. Um, they have all of the um the robots in the you know in the room and they all have hair and they're s sitting still and um i assume some of them are actors standing there and then some of them are uh, dummies dummies like mannequins <laughs> um and all of that has to be styled as well and is very specific to each of their characters and yeah yeah well i mean there is like a few scenes where you see a mass amount of people who are in the Westworld garb. There certainly was quite a few actors, um, background players that were there. And, and we had a whole team. I mean, on any given day, you would have anywhere from six to 10 doing uh, background hairstylists doing the background and making sure that they looked right. Um, but there was some days where we had like 35, 40 hairstylists working. I mean, it was a massive show. Wow. And a lot of the um, the mannequins were, were styled. Um, but it's like kind of not a huge amount of mannequins um, because they would be used more for like deep background or if like someone's dead on the ground. I mean, you can't have a background player so long on the ground. And like if people are stepping on them and stuff, I mean... Unless someone's a glutton for punishment, then hey, that's on them. <laughs> yeah, lots of hairstylists, lots of styling, lots of hair. <laughs> lots of hair. And mm -hmm. um, the um, the main character, oh gosh, what's her character name? Um, what is it? 
Dolores. Oh yes, Dolores. Her hair was so stunning throughout the whole series. Uh, I haven't caught up on season three, but season one and two. Totally. Season three is totally different. <laughs> oh yes, I'm excited. Yeah, I have to do that. Yeah, season three. I'll just say this: it's. Uh, I mean, I didn't work on it, but I did watch it. It's a way different feeling than the first two seasons. I mean, I feel like each season has its own feeling, but I feel like the first two seasons kind of like co-mingled a lot and going back and forth in between, you know, the different worlds and the different looks. But the third season's definitely very much present day, which is like 2065 or whatever, present day for the future and the story. So it's much more futuristic looking hair. And, and futuristic looks. So you don't see as much of, you know, the Westworld Dolores, you know, you see her going on her own journey, but, but yeah, her, um, her hair was very classic and beautiful, like prairie girl. Yeah, it was very beautiful. I but love it. I want to back up a little bit because part of the the fun of these interviews, I think, is I'm getting to talk to you guys, my colleagues, um, and you are really at the top of your game right now. You're working, you're doing amazing things. And so I'm always super interested uh, in how you got there Be mm -hmm. because I have, you know, I have a school and they're usually people that are either working on their skills or they're just starting out and they want to get there sure. and everybody's journey is so different. So I did a little research Ooh. and um, <laughs> so I was reading about you and your love of styling Barbies. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just wanted to talk about like when you were younger, like what, kind of drew you to this industry and that follow through that happened? Well, um, okay, let's, uh, let's take a trip. So um, <laughs> when I was younger, I actually got introduced to Barbies and um, I, my first thing that I started with was like making Barbie clothing. So I would yeah. make shirts, dresses, um, like, you know, pants and like all the sewing stuff. Cause my mom was actually a, a seamstress or so I learned how to sew from her. So I would practice sewing, you know, with the Barbies. And then, you know, I'd start to style their hair and, you know, like I had like a little collection of Barbies and um, initially I wanted to be a fashion designer. So oh. I've stuck to that, that kind of um, path a little bit up through high school and then, you know, I started to get into like fashion magazines and I would like look at fashion magazines and kind of flip through them. And, you know, I, I was into the fashion, but I was noticing my eyes was gravitating more towards the hair and makeup. And mm -hmm. then like, you know, it was, it was like the nineties, you know, that was the, the um, pinnacle of like super, you know, the supermodel. So Angelista, Naomi Campbell, you know, all those, all those girls. So I was mm -hmm. like, all these campaigns with them and you know fashion stories and i'm like wow like linda evangelista was like a big one because she looks different with every you can put any color on her any hairstyle any makeup and she like rocks she looks 
phenomenal. And I was like, wow, like I want to, yeah. And I'm like, I really want to do that. So I started dabbling. Like I got into my mom's makeup in high school. I started playing and painting my face and, you know, I would do my girlfriend in high school. Like I did, you know, dances and stuff. So, you know, that's how I kind of got into makeup. I started in makeup and then uh, let's see, I'm trying to think. So then, you know, I got into drag. So I did drag for quite quite some time. Um, and then one of my first like legit jobs that I had, two. Okay, so the first one I had was a, a, um, a freelance makeup artist in uh, Bloomingdale's. So, you know, I was like, uh, you know, selling cosmetics. I worked for Hard Candy, Too Faced, which back then all they had was like three lip gloss rings and 10 lipsticks and like 10 nail polishes. And I think 13, I mean, now they're like, have everything. But um, that was like one of my first jobs was freelancing doing makeup. But then um, my first hair job I actually got was at uh, Glamour Shots. I have something for you. <laughs> oh, what? Oh, God. It's in my mom's room. And I was like, I think I have. Yes, yes, yes. Wait, let's see. Is it a leather jacket? It's like a purple metallic pleather thing. Very, very. <laughs> I think it's a bang curl. Like, uh -huh. Yeah, it was like, what was cool about Glamour Shots? And you know, like, just have conversations over the years with different uh, colleagues and friends and stuff. They're like, oh, don't ever mention Glamour Shots. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like so proud that I worked I love them. Like, Glamour Shots is the first time that I ever um, got introduced to Hot Rollers. It was the first time that I um, really learned how to use a curling iron. And, you know, like, so I, I, you know, I had a knack for it. So I would get into it. And when I was at Glamour Shots, it was like late, was it late 90s? I think it was late 90s. It was still happening. So like, you know, yeah, this the, was like 96. Yeah, like pinning the fabric was not happening anymore. The boas were kind of so-so. People were still doing the leather jackets and they were doing colorized with the flowers, you know, like black and white and the flowers. Um, yeah, all of it. Uh, but yeah, so good. but I actually attribute like my first like tools was with glamour shots. So I learned, you know, the power of hot rollers and like the volume you could create and, you know, the curling, the shape and, uh, you know, just like making the big hair and everything. So, uh, after I worked there, I'm giving a history, right. Of what I did. I love it because I think that every, like I said, everybody's path is so different and um, what kind of sparked those, those steps, you know, the next steps, uh -huh. when you look back on it, it's really interesting to see how you got to where you're going. So you yeah. just keep going. I think it's okay. great. So, so after Glamour, I worked at Glamour Shots for a couple years and then um, I got a position to work at Bloomingdale's and Fashion Island full time where I was the new trends manager. So I had, I was in charge of Too Faced, Urban Decay, uh, Hard Candy, and there was like a couple other lines, but then they took those lines out, but then they brought in NARS. And that was the first time that I got introduced to NARS. And, you know, as a makeup artist, 
like now and even back then, um, you know, like one of like my staples, my kit is NARS. Mm -hmm. NARS, Makeup Forever, and Laura Mercier. Those are like my trifecta. I feel like with those three lines, I could do anything on anybody, like makeup wise. Yeah. Um, I became part of NARS and I was the counter manager there in Newport Beach. And after that, I got um, uh, stolen from Laura Mercier and then I was a national artist for them. So, you know, all my, all my makeup training and hair training, I was not formally trained. You know, I just, um, you know, a lot of it was practice. I really attribute a lot of my skill as far as makeup wise is concerned uh, to working at the counter. I mean, I learned so much about being at the counter and, and dealing with different people and having interactions with different age groups and, you know, different, um, just uh, people of different um, affluency, you know, like, like uh, you know, Newport Beach, there's lots of rich people, right? But then there would be people who would go there on the weekend, they just wanted to have fun and play with makeup. And I just really, it was a, a great experience to kind of um, transform different skin tones and different skin textures. And I just, I learned a lot by just hands-on doing it with the counter. But I'm really fortunate that I, I got into makeup and really um, blossomed that way because, you know, I got uh, a taste of what it is like to, to work with people, like to deal with people on a, like a, a more normal basis. Mm -hmm. so I, I was just better equipped, I think. So fast forwarding to where I'm at now in TV and film, Having that background, I feel like I'm able to manage how I am with people a lot better than, say, if I would have gotten into what I'm doing now when I'm younger and immature. I think it's like a whole um, journey that you have to kind of find your groove of how you are as a human being before your talent can really flourish. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so... You know, I, I went with Laura Mercier. I was traveling national artistry, and then um, 2008 hit, and or yeah, 2008 the economy you know kind of crashed, right? So unfortunately, you know, after a couple years of traveling, you know, the United States, and I got to do some international travel, um, I got laid off. So that was a bummer, and I'm sitting here thinking like, oh, you know, I'm working my way up. I'm gonna be you know, and, and, and all the while I was doing like, you know, editorials here and there. So I had, you know, like Marie Claire and, you know, like uh, in style, like some magazines, like I had like tear sheets and like doing some editorial work. Some things were with Laura Mercier, some fashion shows, got to do fashion week in New York, or LA fashion week. Fun. But I was getting all these things like kind of under my belt as I was going along. And then the economy happened, like it crashed. And I'm like, oh shoot, what I'm gonna do? And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go to cosmetology school. Um, I'm gonna get my esthetician's license. I'm gonna go, you know, do facials and do makeup. And that's gonna be my gig. And when I went to school, I went to Santa Monica College. Uh, very, I, I have to really put a shout out to them. If you want to learn a lot of things about hair, 
that place is great because the teachers were just so vast in their knowledge and so giving. And if you're receiving of it, you can really elevate your skill, like truly. Um, Cause I feel like I've always had like a little bit of a natural knack for things. But when I went there, I really, there was a lot of refinement going on and could have been cause of my age too. Cause like I was like 30, like, yeah, what am I 40 now? 30. Yeah, I was like 30, 31, something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, so mom, well, let me back up. So I was going to get my esthetician's license, but because uh, classes weren't available, um, I'm like, okay, let me just do the whole thing. Cause you know, I would style hair on the side. Like my main focus at that time was really trying to be a makeup artist. Like I was like, I'm gonna be, you know, I'm gonna move to New York. I'm gonna be the next Kevin Aquan. Like this was my dream, right? I wanted to be yeah. Kevin Aquan. And I believed it in my heart. I'm like, I can do this. Like I, you know, it's like my, 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 my gig, it's my zhuzh, I can do it. But um, I'm like, okay, well, let me just do the whole program, right? Let me just get my license. At least I'll have bases covered. And if something like this happens again, you know, I can work in a salon. I can, you know, do, you know, color services, cutting services, whatever. Like I have a backup plan. And then um, I I did the program. I got through it. Um, one thing uh, that was really cool while I was in school. So there was a couple competitions. Um Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you go to beauty school, there's like different competitions that pop up. So there was two I'll talk about briefly. So one I did, um, it was a mannequin competition and, okay. uh, and a live model competition. So th- you basically had to take your live model and turn them into, you know, someone famous or like emulate someone famous or whatnot. So I have my model, Cindy, who is now a fellow... Uh, 706 hairstylist with me. Shout out to my girl, Cindy. Uh, (laughs) uh, So she has a lot of features like Madonna. So I had transformed her uh, into Madonna basically. And and this was around the time when uh, Hung Up came out. So it was the dance floor, you know, the fair flip kind of flip out hair. So I did the, um, I can't even remember the name of that haircut, but you know the haircut where it's all pulled up here and you chop it. So I did that haircut and then I flipped her hair out. And, you know, so we did that competition and I, I gotta say, I was a little, a little upset. I was a little sad because we didn't place at all. And oh. if you look, I think I have the pictures on my Facebook um, and an album for the competition. But if you look and see the people who competed and the one won, which I couldn't believe it. Like it was like a weird Gothic, teased out hairstyle that you couldn't even see the geometry of the haircut. You know, it's just like teased out. Anyways, I'm not going to be bitter. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we did that and I didn't place. So I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, I'm not going to do competition. I'm just here to like get my license and just, you know, get through life. Then another competition came up and everybody's like, you should do it. You know, you're, you're so talented, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. It was called Junior Style Stars. Um, so I don't know. Have you heard of that one? Yeah. Yeah. So it was Junior Style Stars. And, you know, everybody got the same mannequin. Everybody was supposed to take the picture at, at JCPenney's or whatnot. Um, but it was very fair. The competition was very, like, across the board fair. So I, you know, did my hairstyle, did my competition. 
and you know every couple of weeks they would update like who would make the next round and so I kept making the rounds and then it got down to like the top 20 and I was in it and everybody's like you're gonna win you're gonna win I'm like I mean we'll see you know like I'm like cool it'd be great if I won but you know we'll, we'll see so then we get down to the top 10 I'm still in the top 10 I'm like oh my god wow this is cool and then I get a call from the school and I had graduated already I had done my my test I passed it woohoo got my license and they're like oh you know we want you to come back they're doing this like um this recognition for past students and this and that so mm -hmm. I was up and it was a bunch of people in a room and like they were having a meeting and doing a recognition I'm like okay, cool you know and they're like oh you know come you know the teachers want to talk to you in the in the school so I'm like okay so uh, me and one of the other students who got in the top 10, we were both there together and we were going and she looked at me, she's like, I think one of us won. And, you think? And so we go, they pull up the curtain and there's Paul Berry, who is um, the creator of Junior Style Stars with a big old check. And I'm like, with my name on it, I'm like, what? <laughs> so that was like one of the highlights of, you know, my cosmetology career, because, you know, here I am going into school as a makeup artist, you know, who was kind of like moving up thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm like heading up. I, I never had a feeling of like, I'm the best makeup artist. I'm this. And I, I always was like, I do things with the intention of making a mark on this world. Like I want to <laughs> make people feel good about how they look and, you know, add to the story of whatever it is I'm doing. So, you know, to come from this place of like, where I was moving up and I got knocked down because of, you know, the economy and then kind of starting from ground zero, you know, like going essentially into a different career with hair to have this happen was like- It's a huge sense of validation. Absolutely. And I was so just grateful for the opportunity to do that competition, but then just like the confidence it instilled in me that, you know what? You have a lot of things to contribute to this world. And this is like something that tells you you're on the right direction. Mm -hmm. I have, actually, I have the picture. Do you want to oh, see? Yes, I do. Uh, yeah, so this is the, um, the winning hairstyle. <gasps> It's so finished. Yeah, so it was like... Look at that profile. Oh, my God. It was like a very, um, you know, kind of like... What period? Like 40s? Yeah, it is. It's Iron. kind of like late, uh, early 40s to mid 40s. That's beautiful. Yeah, so that's like one of my... Pri I actually still have the mannequin, but she's in the closet. And I've debated... Uh, taking the hairstyle down and just using it to like kind of, you know, practice hairstyling. But someone said, no, put her in a case. I'm like, I'm not going to put her in a case. So she's in my, she's in the closet. One of these days I'll take her out and pull her hair down and use it as practice. Cause the hair is beautiful on those mannequins. It was very beautiful. Um, so yeah, so that was a really amazing thing that happened. And then, um, so continue with my journey. Um, <laughs> so after, that happened, which by the way, the price for junior South stars, it was 50,000. 
And oh, cash. that's amazing. Yeah. So it's like I got like 5,000 cash and then all these amazing prizes. Like I traveled to Puerto Rico. I traveled to Arizona, South Carolina, Arizona, um, Florida. I got to do all the, these hair shows. I was on stage. So I got to meet a lot of industry people. It was a really amazing experience at that time. And just like reaffirming I'm on the right path. Like this is what I should do. And then after that, I got to do a movie. Um, well, it was a short film. Like while, while this was happening, while I was in school, like I would still do freelancing here and there and I would do photo shoots and little indie projects. Um, but I got to do this one where I met uh, uh, this makeup artist, Clexius uh, Colby, really, really talented amazing makeup artist he brought me onto this film and well we worked together on it on this little indie project and he's like hey i'm gonna be doing this film uh and i need a hairstylist to be the department head and i said oh okay you know sure i'll do it so i got to be a part of this film and the reason why i mention it is because it was the very first film that i department headed but uh, you know if you're this is now this is a, a, a total fate thing because a lot of people say you know how do you get into tv and film and you know there's so many different ways right so there's the 60 60 60 where you have to do a certain amount of hours within a certain amount of months and all that that jazz and then there's the other way which is being grandfathered into the union so fortunately yeah. for me this film uh it qualified me for the hours to join the union so my first film, um, and I got in the union. So, I mean, it was like, it was like one of those things where it's like fate. It's like, whoa, okay. And I didn't realize how lucky I was until. So lucky. And, until I started working. And then I would hear stories about how, how hard and how long people have been working to get in the union. And I'm like, wow, okay. You know, I, I look back at it and I'm like, I'm really fortunate that I had this opportunity to be become, you know, a hairstylist in 706. And, you know, from that point on, everything just, you know, kept going up and up. And, you know, I was working, meeting lots of amazing hairstylists and getting to work on amazing shows. And, you know, here I am today. And the one thing I will say uh, to anybody listening who, who was just starting out or was on the journey who was like, oh, you know, I don't know if this is for me, if I should continue. And also to the ones who think they are too good. Never discount the opportunities that you can be a part of because you're not getting paid. Mm. I did a photo shoot 11 years ago with an actress for free. It was a test. She liked my hair and makeup so much. She had me come and do a, a, like a little um, short series. And from that short series, I met the other actress in there who brought me on this little indie project in which I got to do Sandra O's hair. And the actress is Michelle Krusik. Now that that project I did was where I met Klex. Clexius. And because I did those other things, I met Clexius. He brought me onto that film and that film got me in the damn union. 
So you better believe I am so thankful for any any opportunity that comes my way. I don't care what the rate is. I mean, nowadays I'm a little more selective because for me, I'm thinking of, okay, the rate, whatever, but I'm thinking of what's going to get me my insurance hours. Mm -hmm. Is the project going to push me creatively? Uh, if I'm in a, in, in a, like right now we're coming out of this damn pandemic. Thank God I've been working for the last couple months. I'm like, I'll take anything that comes my way. I, my savings is going down. So give me that money, honey. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but that's the thing I would say is like, don't, don't frown upon opportunities. You know, I mean, I think the best thing is you got to trust your gut about things and really tune into, you know, what the intention of the project is. Like, is it, you know, like someone who's really just like trying to use you or if it's like someone who's like, they need help and it could be something great and you could be a part of contributing to that. And, and all along, you know, if you're starting out, these are the building blocks that will kind of shape you and refine you of what it's like to be on set one day when you're working with everybody who's at the top of their game. You need to have a, a, a sense of know-how and you won't ever get that if you don't try things out. You know, you got to work your way up. Yeah, the working your way up, you know, is echoed through so many artists that I um, talk to either on the show or just like in life. And the idea of kind of coming straight out of the gate from school and also being very young. So you just don't have a lot of worldly experience yet. Mm -hmm. um, you can't buy that experience. You can't yeah. buy you know, working 12 hours on a set and it's rainy and, but everybody has to look dry and, you know, figuring it out as you go. Gotta work um, I don't know unless you're in it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I did, I was looking at through your Instagram feed uh, the other day, which is absolutely beautiful. And I noticed a couple of things. One, uh, there's a photographer. Oh, at, Sequoia. Yes. Thank you. Uh, I'm like, I wrote it down. Um, because what jumped out at me in your feed in particular, and now seeing that your shirt is very bold and striking, is the aesthetic uh -huh. that seems to be in your more recent work anyway, is very bold, very stylized, very um, voluminous, uh -huh. <laughs> uh, so, but also they're really clean. It's not just like teased big silhouettes. It's like yeah. big and, and refined. Um, is this a a place you kind of find yourself in recently of, or have you always been attracted to that kind of graphic? Um, I think that my tastes have always evolved and they're always evolving. Like I don't, I don't live in one place. Like I'm very nomadic in how my mind thinks mm -hmm. as far as what I'm trying to create. And I mean, I will say that the thing that people probably, um, um, what's the word, that they kind of correlate me with is bigger hair and more refined hair um, and something with a little bit of vintage flair to it. Um, mm -hmm. I think that, especially over the last few years, I've been able to work on so many like period projects where I've gotten to travel from like, you know, the 1880s to, you know, 
the 1920s, the 30s, the 40s, the 60s. I just did a film where we were in early 70s. And then, you know, having the sensibility of understanding that, you know, and this is like talking specifically about working on period projects is, you know, if you have a, sh a show that's based on someone who is in the early 70s, like kids, right? Mm -hmm. so it's going to look a certain way. It's, you know, not really styled hair, it's like down, you know, it's coming from the 60s, it's more relaxed. But then you have the parents, the mothers, the grandmothers, who you have to know, they're not doing this relaxed thing. They're stuck, you know, at a mm -hmm. time they felt they looked their best. And that's, that's one thing that you, well, I don't know if everyone learns this, but I learned it, is that women and men tend to gravitate towards the style that they look the best in and they keep with it. That's why you see some of these grandmothers who have hair that look like they're from the 80s now, where at the 80s, you were seeing women who had hair from the 70s, mm -hmm. the, the women from the 60s and so on and so forth. So having the love for period hair and understanding the different silhouettes of each period has really helped me kind of gravitate towards bringing this forefront in my work, like doing editorials or, you know, tear sheets or just, you know, fun photo shoots that I always have some sort of a vintage flair to it, but I have a way of manipulating it and modernizing it, making it, you know, not 100% in that period, but bringing it current. And one of the things that I think is helpful with that is just understanding like the curl size and the curl size and what is going to give you that, that, that bend, the volume, you know, how to, you know, uh, over direct your curl and, you know, how to tease it back, how to tease it up, all that stuff. So when I'm refining the shape, you know, it starts with your base. So I feel like bringing all that stuff together helps me create a silhouette and, and with, uh, in response to the comment about the cleanliness and, and, and the refinement of my shape, mm -hmm. it comes from me wanting to see a pleasing silhouette and yeah. wanting to see weird things sticking up, unless it's that kind of look. Because I certainly, you know, if, if you see like my body of work, like I run the gamut. Like mm -hmm. I can someone look like a cracked out hooker on the street <laughs> to like a high society find you know, 1940, you know, glamorous woman and have it be the most, you know, like, so I, I think for me, paying attention to what is needed, you know, and having the conversations, just being in tune with what's needed and, and like, what's most aesthetically pleasing. And also that's not going to make me look like I don't know what I'm doing. Because I, I try to pay attention to all these things. Well, I think that's an important conversation, too, to have um, regarding, you know, you keyed and been the head of um, several departments. And looking at it from a standpoint of you are not your own entity working mm -hmm. on this project of having to really listen to what the script is saying and what is the director saying and what is the costume designer thinking about and... Um, having that ear of it's not all about you it's creating what is the most relevant piece of um visual imagery to yeah. convey those those things i think it's really important because 
you know, for whatever reason, there's a, a, a statement uh, or a belief that when you get into this industry, you are like this autonomous thing that you work on your own and furthest <laughs> <laughs> from the truth. <laughs> you know what? I, I have to say, and that is the biggest farce. You know, it's like when you get a part of this and certainly there's many people I've come across with the ego, but the thing that I have come to discover is you're a sprog in the machine. You're, you're just like, like a little piece of that machine. Everybody's a little piece of that machine. Even the actor's a little piece of that machine because the whole picture, that's the machine, right? So you're just part of making it work. And either you, you do it and it works or you don't. And I find that the people who come from a place of thinking theirs is the most important part, that's when it doesn't translate. That's when I don't believe it. That's when I look on a screen and I see someone out of period, but then everybody else is in period. You have to be in tune with it. You have to pay attention. You have to connect with the other parts in the machine for it to work. Absolutely. And, and to keep working yourself. Yes. You yeah. know, I think that's so great. I love it so much. Um, is there a certain time period that you, I'm a huge uh, 40s girl. It is, I'm obsessed. And so because you do so many different periods, is there one that you have more of an affinity for? You know, when you ask that question, the first thing that pops off in my head is 60s, just because I do like making big hair and I do like backcombing. I do like, you know, fucking up a curl and then reforming it. I do love that. Um, so I would say 60s, but if early you have, 60s, yeah, early 60s. Um, I would say like, if you would have asked me if we would have had this chat like six months ago, I might've said the thirties because, you know, I got to work on uh, Penny Dreadful, the city of angels. And so we were in the, like the late thirties. So it was like right on the cusp of, you know, like 37, 38. Yeah. So, you know, like the, the, the finger wave kind of look, but just a little bit more poofed out you know, before the forties when you know, victory rolls and the half up and then the, you know, sausage in the back and all that. Mm -hmm. But, um, I just, I just love, I, I like, I think the thing that I love the most is just really forming the curl and breaking it up and reforming it into like the final shape, just like any, any period that I have, that I get to do that, I'm in heaven. Like, I love doing that. So satisfying. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I'll take that over beach waves any day. Like, beach waves are like, eh, whatever, you know. But that's that's the joke in the industry, right? Like, oh, beach waves. <laughs> Be like, oh, we're going to have hair for this wedding. But everybody just wants dewy, dewy look and beach waves. And you're like, oh, okay. You're like, yeah. fun. Here you go. <laughs> it's, pretty. it's pretty. I don't discount the look. I think it's a gorgeous look. I just think that it is a a very achievable look by many people. Yes. Yeah, yes, that is very true. And and it looks good on a lot of people. 
Um, I have a very specific question about one of your looks in your Instagram. There is a mohawk in there <laughs> that is epic in its proportions and yeah. in its stability. And I want to know what you used because looking <laughs> at it, I was in awe. Oh, that was camera tricks. Um, okay. <laughs> well, that was my best friend, Philip. We've known each other since we were 14. And he actually recently shaved his head. So he doesn't have that hair anymore. Wow. I know. He had a Britney moment. It's going to do it to all of us during this time period. Um, I love that you've known him for so long, though. I, I have friends like that, and it makes my heart happy. Yes. Like, we came out to each other. Like, we're just, like, we're thick as thieves. Um, yeah, so that mohawk. So what I did, what I did versus what I would have done had it been a real like shoot because like he came to me like well we've talked you know while he's had his long hair and he's always like oh you know i want to do different styles with my hair you know like and one of the things that was on his bucket list was to do a mohawk so i'm like okay let's do a mohawk i mean his hair was like down to like the top of his crack you know his like really long hair and he has like thick coarse hair like three hairs growing out of each pore it's ridiculous bitch um so so what i wanted to do was create this mohawk but i didn't want it to be so stuck that he'd be like you know messing with it because like he just literally wanted the picture right so i did a combination of got to be spray i did um like a gel i think it was like it wasn't la looks it was um shoot it was like a crew crew gel like some stronghold gel and then also diva curl stronghold spray oh yes the combination of that and got to be like i worked it um i worked the gel in and i was combing it and was hitting with the blow dryer so i was like doing these layers blow dryer layer 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 blow dryer blow dryer and i literally had his head like um on the on my ironing board and i was like blowing it out and I was like hitting it. So like I got the base done and then I got the second part of it done and then the last part of it done. So it stayed pretty erect, but then at one point it started to go. That's the fight. But, but what was funny is like, he would do this with his head and it would do this. Shoot. <laughs> so it was just a timing with those pictures, to be honest with you. But if I was doing it for real, I would have done glue. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I would have done glue. Elmer's glue and then got to be. Sorry, my cat's like rubbing up against the ears. Oh, that's okay. I love kitty cats. It's all, um, I have the dogs in the other room if anybody can hear them. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they know that you're doing stuff. So they're like, oh, let me come talk to you right now. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I want to circle back to the Sierra Burgess uh, blossoming film oh, and yeah. reading when I was doing my, my reading about you and kind of, you know, stalking you on the internet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the, the, the things that you had said that was really beautiful was <clears throat> that you were kind of bullied a little bit growing up and um, you blossomed into this amazingly 
beautiful person and uh, colleague and technician and artist. And so I wanted to see what you would say to other kids that are out there like you, because, you know, when we're in high school, it feels like that is the whole world, right? You know, middle school and high school. Yeah. Um, what would you say to those kids that are? Ooh, um, well, I will say that, you know, when I was growing up, when I was in high school, it was a different time. Um, as someone, you know, a decade prior to me would say it's a different time. It's always a different time. Um, it was a hard, it was difficult because, you know, being bullied because you're effeminate, uh, because you are into, you know, quote unquote, girly things, um, because you're quote unquote, gay or fag or whatever. Um, it's difficult to take on when you're almost alone in the battle, you know, like I was, I was, I felt like one of the only people who was out in high school. And, you know, I've been fortunate over the years to come across people who have known me from high school and just, you know, commended me on, you know, who I was because they said, you know, because of you, I was able to come out. And these were like underclassmen that I had no idea. They're like, oh my God, it's you. Like I'll see him at a club or something or out. And, oh my God, it's you. Like, because of you, I wrote this essay and I was able to come out and- Interesting. Proud. And um, I want to say that the sooner you find who you are, the more strength there is in that to, you know, persevere through any of life's, you know, tough times, just, you have to find who you are and, and it's not easy. You have to, you know, center yourself. You have to focus, you have to pay attention to the things that draw your attention, that pull your, your, um, energy out, like in a good way. And and allow that to happen and allow it to flourish and to focus your energy on that as opposed to uh, energies that are trying to suck that out of you, that are trying to pull you down, that are trying to make you believe that you aren't anything but great. And when you decipher the difference of someone trying to tear you down versus someone trying to lift you up, that's, that's the power that makes you the best you you can be and you know this is i feel like it's a very uh, mature thought but you know nowadays these kids they have so many resources to research things and to understand what that truly means and to yeah. you know like search for the things that inflames their passion you know, whether it's, you know, hair or makeup or wigs or fashion design or, you know, being non-binary or, you know, like whatever it may be, like find that, find that and just like be in that moment and let it, you know, build you up because the more happier you are with yourself and the quicker you find that, the easier it is to get through the little earthquakes. Cause that's all they are is, you know, 
everything in life that's negative, they're just little earthquakes, you know, just little things. They're, they're, they shake you up for a minute and then they're done, right? It's yeah. true. It is. Tori Amos was right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, Tori. Oh, <laughs> here. I love um, So I think that that's amazing. And I think that the, the kids today have so many more resources than we did. Because I think we're the same age. Uh, you know, the internet wasn't even a thing when we were in high school <laughs> yet. <laughs> that's right. 27 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they can they can find those resources even though they might physically not have somebody there. But um, I just thought that that was outstanding. And to see how far you come, that you know that you really harnessed that energy and was like, I'm doing this. I'm I'm it, doing this. It's it's hard. I mean, besides that, I mean, there's other things that I felt like, you know, for instance, like I was living. Uh, in a trailer on the street for a month with my family, you know, and like, I always grew up like with a thrifty mindset where, you know, like you always buy the cheapest, you always, you know, stock up on things. And like, you know, growing up in a household where, you know, my, my parents were like borderline, they kind of like were a little bit of hoardy ish, you know, cause they had like um, a thrift store. And so they always had things around and, you know, I was always like an awkward kid growing up and, you know, I still have awkward moments, but, you know, it's finding these things and just kind of evolving from them and, and realizing that nothing around you has the power to change you. You have the power to change you. So, you know, if, if you want to succeed, if you want to grow in this life, it's on you to do it. You know what I mean? It's like, you can, you can have the same upbringing where like, you know, maybe like your brothers and sisters, like go down a different path and like, maybe, you know, they get into drugs or make bad choices or turn into like, you know, like a felon or something. But you have the same upbringing and it's up to you to like decipher, okay, what's right and what's wrong. What, what am I going to do? How am I going to better myself? You know, and the opportunities are always there. You just have to look for them, you know, and not, and, and not allow the darkness that surrounds you to encompass you because no matter what, there's a star in the sky. The sky is black as night. There's always a star. You just have to look and you'll see it eventually. And when you find that light, you go to it. And then before you know it, it's daytime and you're out of it. And it's like, oh, it's light. Oh, I see everything now. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Um, I have a, some kind of non sequitur questions for you, but that I love. Um, if you were able to have dinner with three people, living or dead that inspire you or that you want to talk to, who would you sit down and have a little dinner party with? Wow. Um, let's see. Divine. <laughs> Love that. Divine. Yeah. Divine would be one. Um, she's a, for those of you who don't know who divine is, she was a muse and famous drag queen, also known as the most beautiful woman 
in the world. She was in many John Waters films. Um, she was a disco diva, just amazing, amazing drag performer. And uh, I don't know, I, I've always been like, um, kind of entranced by her and her life. And there's a great documentary called um, I Am Divine that talks about her. So, you know, oh. if anyone wants to check that out, it's a really good um, insight of who she was as, you know, Divine the Drag persona versus Glenn, the boy persona. And, you know, yeah. and actually a little known fact about her is that she was slated to play Peggy Peggy Bundy's mother on um, Married with Children. But the night before she was supposed to film, she passed away. Well, he passed away. I did not know that. That was going to be, you know, Divine's like, like pathway into like, you know, everybody's living room. So yeah, the pop pop culture mainstream. Yeah, but um, I would love to, you know, pick pick Divine's brain about things. Uh, another person, living or dead. Um, ah, RuPaul. RuPaul. Just, How wonderful is just, RuPaul? I'm just curious to know like what goes on in that brain with all these ideas about building this empire that he's built. I mean, Talk about bringing drag into the mainstream. Like, wow. Um, so that's another one. Um, and then my mom. Aww. Yeah, my mom, unfortunately, she passed away uh, quite a few years ago. Um, she had cancer. And I think I would want to, you know, have a dinner with her just because I would want to, like, know her thoughts on what what life has been like since she's been gone and what she would tell me like how she would guide me you know because there's there's a lot of moments where i think about her and i'm just like wonder like you know what she, what what she would tell me or like you know like the night that i won the emmy like you know how wonderful it would have been for her to be there um but yeah she was always very um insightful and she was very opinionated she was an aquarius very artistic but she always had something to say about something and you know like always had lots of great advice and you know some things i didn't agree but a lot of things made sense and she was a very deep emotional person and i think that's kind of where i get it from but uh yeah so those are my three so divine rupaul and my mama <laughs> I think y'all would have a fantastic dinner party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Um, do you have any projects coming up? Um, let's see. Well, I, I did mention a little bit about the film. I did a film. I, well, it was a part of a film just recently. Um, uh, uh, Paul Anderson. Wait, what is Paul West? No. I can't think of the director's name. Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson. So uh, we just did a film. Um, I was just doing background on that, but it was uh, 1970s. So 
that's I don't know when that's gonna come out, but I just was part of that movie. We just finished uh, filming that, and um, we just started the second season of Dave. So for those of you who don't know, Dave is on uh, FX. The first season's available now on FX and Hulu. Um, and <laughs> that's a really fun one because, you know, it's contemporary, it's modern. Yeah. Um, Dave is awesome. He's like, for those who don't know, he's a Jewish rapper. <laughs> <laughs> great, great head of curly hair. I have a picture of him here. Look. So if you don't know, this is Dave. Yes. Yeah. He's so great. Yeah, so that show's hilarious. We just started filming uh, the second season, and we're going to start back again on December 2nd. So we got a few months on that. And I'm trying to think anything else. That's pretty much it. And then I've been doing some more photo shoots with Sequoia. So look out for some posts on Instagram for those. And yeah, that's what's been going on. Oh, and I think that's amazing. <laughs> and trying to survive a pandemic. Yeah. I mean, that in itself, you know, we're here and we're doing something fun and positive and you know, your work is stunning and I'm so thankful that you agreed to, to talk with me and, and introduce you to people that might not know you and your work and um, Griselda and Aaron Marie Reyes said hello. Oh, hey. Hey. <laughs> um, on the comments. Um, I will definitely keep my eye on you and hopefully I'll get to come out to LA once uh, this yeah, is all definitely. done. And I can give you a big hug and, and say hello for real. We'll go have a hugging. We'll go have our own dinner party. It'll be amazing. Yeah, when everything's open, we'll go to somewhere yeah. really cute, maybe in Silver Lake. Oh, yes. That would be amazing. <laughs> Oh, I'm so thankful for you. And I look forward to uh, seeing everything that you do in 2021. Mm -hmm. And um, you have any parting words for, for everybody? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, get out of your head, stay creative, and make a mark on the world. I love it. <laughs> right, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe. We're going to have more interviews coming up and maybe we'll do a check in with you next year and see how everything's going. And um, yeah, just subscribe and, and check out Pavi. Let me uh, put your banner up one last time for everybody to check out your Instagram. Um, make sure you check out his IMDb. We only talked about a handful of credits that he's done. And um, oh, it was lovely. It was so, <laughs> thank you so much for having this time with me. This is great to have a chitty chat. <laughs> a chitty chat. All right, you take care and you stand by. Bye, everybody. Okay, bye, everybody. <laughs> It'll take a minute for them to, uh, for us to sign off.